Hey everyone, it's Dr. Tim and Hillary, and this is another version of the Dr. Tim's Aquatics podcast. How are you doing this morning, Hillary? I am doing great. I'm all excited. I got my cup of coffee sitting here, ready for the holidays. How about you? Uh, not ready for the holidays. <laughs> <laughs> it's like next week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I take that back. I'm not ready. I'm not ready knowing that it's <laughs> <laughs> it's like in uh, 10 days. No, nine days. Today's the 16th. Chris, yeah, nine days. So, oh my gosh. yeah, okay, not ready. <laughs> I was <laughs> sitting there this morning trying to decide. I'm like, do I want to send out holiday cards to my family or is it too late? Like, I don't even have holiday cards to send out. I was going to take a picture of the pig sitting in front of the, or like underneath the Christmas tree and put like a Santa hat on them and send that out to all my family. I'm like, well, then that's like a day and a half to get him positioned and take the photo and then have the photos made and then mail them out. I'm like, is it worth it? <laughs> and the answer is no, but support your local post office. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so anyway, on topic, today we are going to be talking about media. I know we've talked about our media before, but it's been a while and I feel like it needs some extra love. So we're going to have a refresher podcast on all of our different types of media and go over all of the ones that we have, a little bit about them, and you know, just some questions that I've come up with as you're listening to this. If you have questions, feel free to send us a message on social media, send us a message at info at drtimsaquatics.com, and we will answer your questions. So let's jump yeah. right in. Yeah, media is a very catch-all um, group there's or, or category there's a lot of different types of media and we'll cover that and when you need them when you don't need them um, you don't really need every one of the medias we have uh, well one two three four five six seven eight nine ten, yeah, eleven different types of media uh, yep. depending on your situation so um, some of the most common you hear about are biological media and biomedia is basically it's a material that provides substrate for the nitrifying bacteria to grow on. So it becomes biologically active by having the bacteria grow on it, grow in the pores. And so it's really a, a surface provider for your nitrifiers because nitrifiers don't grow in the water very well they want to be attached to a substrate or a media. Now, the, our media is a remover, that's what it's name, and basically it is a natural substance that has a positive charge because that's the other thing. Nitrifiers like to grow on positive charged particles. And it's different than the, the engineered. There's not, I, I don't want to say there's anything wrong with these engineered medias, the ceramics and things, but don't get hooked or mesmerized by these huge claims that they provide, you know, whatever it is, a, a million cubic foot per square foot of, of media. Because what you need is media that will stay clean and media that water can flow through. Having all this internal surface area is worthless if the water can't get to it, because if the water can't get to it, the bacteria are not gonna grow on it. And, and why would the water not be able to get to this internal surface area? Well, all this media will grow heterotrophs. We talk a lot about heterotrophs all the time, kind of the, uh, you know, you need them in some cases, but on media, what they're going to do is they're going to grow over the nitrifiers and they grow much faster and they're going to clog the pores. So what you want is more of an open structure media that you can clean uh, easily. And by cleaning, 
I've just mean take, you can take it over and when you do water change and you've got that bucket of old water, just take your media and rinse it. You don't have to get a power vac out there, power washer and scrub it and anything like that. It's just getting the organic slime and the buildup of detritus and stuff off the media every once in a while. It's not something you have to do monthly, but every couple of months you should take your media out and rinse it real well and put it back in. The, back, the nitrifiers will survive this and your media will be much more efficient in terms of water being able to get to it. Um, now we provide a bag for our media because that makes it convenient. But what you have to remember with any of these bio medias, like our remover and any, all of them, is that you need to make sure the water is going through it. So just throwing it in the corner of the sump doesn't mean, it will actually probably means the water is not going to go through it. All these systems that people use are what I'll call passive. You're not actively forcing the water to go through the uh, the media. You're putting the media in the sump, in the back of the tank, in the false wall there, and it pours, water pours down through the media, wherever it is. And it's kind of like passive in that you're hoping the water passes through it by putting the media in the water's way. So when you use the media, the biomedia in bags, whatever, try to stack it up, try to get it so that you've got a thin layer of the media and it's in an area where the water has to go through it. Because if the water has a chance to go around, it will. Uh, we're not, like I said, we're not making it go through it. We're hoping it goes through it. And the best way to do that is to put the, hang that bag or put that bag so that the water has to go through it. Does that make sense, Hillary? Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. And I've got, I'm going to touch on a couple things. So like the way that my sump is structured in my largest tank, I've got a couple of different baffles. So in the past, I always like to try and put some of the media in the baffles. That way it's the water has to go through it. But I know people put them in other places. And I've heard of people saying, oh, you can put the media in say the filter socks. But I feel like maybe the filter socks might be an area that has way too high of flow. Is that on track? Yes. And, and now you're doing two things because what's the, I, the, the number one job of the filter sock is to trap organics and even fine organics. I mean, the filter socks are down in the 600, 400, 300 microns. So that's really small. So you're trapping all this organic material in there. And now you're saying, oh, let's put biomedia here where we're basically collecting all the, the detritus, the dirt, you know, and it's like, we're just going to bury the media. So now that's not a good idea in, in the bags that we provide for our media, you know, the openings of uh, 1000 microns. I mean, that's, you, you can see it's a big opening because that means the water can get in there. You're not collecting a bunch of detritus and it's much easier to clean. So putting filter socks, or put, putting biomedia into filter socks is, is a terrible idea. Yeah, that's a terrible idea. So as you're talking about this, I have like this whole, the whole stack of our medias sitting here next to me. So like maybe I can describe them if need to. So I'm pulling out one of the little mesh bags and I've got media now all over my desk. <laughs> Oops. Um, so, so yeah. Well, they're nice. They, they're, they like zip up and... Right. The bags are really the nice. They're fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they're not this, they're not this drawstring type because the drawstring type, you kind of lose the top third of the bag. These, <laughs> these are zippered. It's hundred percent plastic and uh, you get the full use of the bag and there's easy way to, you know, kind of hang it in the water as it's going through the, the areas. How you want to do biomedia is have, have mechanical filtration first. So you're filtering out as much organic as you can. And then if you're using activated carbon or something like that, which we're going to talk about, because that's another one of our medias, have that second, the chemical media, and then have the biological media, you know, the, where you're growing the nitrifiers, have that last in the, in the string of things. Now, another 
type of media that goes along with that is our remover plus. And in all the medias that we do, we do like remover, remover plus, carbon pure, carbon plus, fossil eliminator, fossil eliminator plus. The plus has an extra a bonus that it does. And with the remover plus, what we're doing is we're shrinking the size of the media. We're using a much smaller uh, sized media, which that will slow the water down. And the inside of this bag that, that you have the media in will go slightly anaerobic, not anoxic, but an anaerobic where the oxygen levels drop. And in there, what will happen is you'll start doing some denitrification. And it's, it's again, passive in that, you know, if you really want to do full denitrification like they do at public aquariums, you're going to be have, having to add uh, an external carbon source. And it can be really hard to control because just like nitrification is two-stepped, ammonia to nitrite, nitrite to nitrate, denitrification has two steps. The nitrate is first converted to nitrite, and then the nitrite's converted to dinitrogen, you know, nitrogen gas, which off-gasses. It's done by different groups of bacteria, and it's done anaerobically, meaning in the presence of a very small amount of oxygen. And a lot of times it gets stalled and you just produce nitrite. And the second step, nitrite to dinitrogen doesn't occur for various reasons. Maybe we'll do a podcast on denitrification one time. Um, but if you don't have it controlled correctly, you can just cause yourself a lot of problems. And it's really, I think, difficult to manage a pure denitrification system in your aquarium um, because it's hard to keep a zone that's anaerobic. It'll either go anoxic or it'll go too much oxygen, oxic, and the bacteria stop producing, stop doing the denitrification. So this system with a remover plus is what I call passive. You'll get some denitrification and any bit of reduction of nitrate that you can do helps. And with this now, you wouldn't clean this as often because if you're going to rinse this and clean it, you're going to oxygenate it, which means the bacteria will stop doing denitrification. So this is a, a media that you put in the end of the loop after nitrification and you kind of leave it alone, really. So that covers the first two types of media. Now I mentioned carbon, another subject that can be very controversial, but uh, I like to have carbon in the system and it removes what are called dissolved organics. You know, we talked about the filter socks, they're removing particulate organics and the particulate organics are also uh, what clog your biomedia. But there's a whole nother group of organics that are dissolved. And this can uh, be this, the material that like tannins that discolor the water uh, and the buildup of dissolved organics can actually inhibit nitrifiers. Um, or if you're running a freshwater system and you want that uh, after a Central American Rio Negro, you know, it's the Rio Negro, it's the black water river. It, I mean, the water's just black because of the heavy amount of tannins in it. And it has a very particular chemistry associated with that. And high levels of tannin inhibit nitrifiers and, and all sorts of other bacteria. So one way that's good, but in another way it's bad. Or if, if you're up in the Scandinavian with the peat bogs, you know, they'll get every once in a while you'll read about, they found a, a body and the body's a thousand years old and it's in, the, in this peat bog and it's perfectly preserved. And that's because the peat puts off this tannin material and that inhibits bacterial growth so you don't get the breakdown of organics. Um, and we need, we need the nitrifying bacteria in our aquarium. So um, with activated carbon, 
again, you're going to remove those dissolved organics. And I think it has a good place. And as I mentioned earlier, it should be after mechanical filtration because the activated carbon, if it becomes clogged with the detritus, now the water is going to take the path of least resistance. So you can have all this carbon in there, but if the water's not going through it, just like with biomedia, if the water's not going through your media, you're getting no benefit from it. So the secret to maximizing your use of any of these media is to have good mechanical filtration before any of these media. Yes. And then people, if I get this question, well, how, how, how do I know if my carbon's working, not working? What can I, what can I do? Well, everybody's got a camera these days. It's on your, <laughs> it's on your phone. So a real easy thing to do is to take a, a glass, a glass glass, and fill it with your aquarium water. Put it on a piece of white paper in good lighting and look down through it and take a picture. And now you've got it date stamped and do that every week or so. And you will slowly over time notice that the water starts to turn a little yellow. Well, when that happens, that tells you the carbon's no longer working and you can replace it. Um, carbon is one of those media work, you know, some of these other media that, that we sell you can actually recharge, but carbon is not one of them. Um, you'll waste your time and potentially burn your house down because it has to be done in an oxygen-free environment at about 1800 degrees. So putting this in your oven at 500 degrees, it, it, yeah, no, people do this. It's just gonna, it's gonna stink and lots of other problems. So just uh, throw your carbon away. You cannot, yeah, you're just, you're not gonna be, able to recharge your activated carbon. Um, now the carbon plus, what we do there is we combine the activated carbon with our FOSS eliminator, which is a media that remove. that's obviously by the name, removes phosphate. So you can kind of get the best of both worlds. You're removing dissolved organics, plus you're removing phosphate with the carbon plus. Um, now, which one should you use, carbon pure or carbon plus? Kind of depends on your system, really. If you're really trying to control phosphate, maybe go with the carbon plus. But as I've mentioned many times, don't be chasing numbers and trying to get that phosphate level down to zero. That is just uh, going to cause you all sorts of problems. Um, so e either one can be fine. If you really have high phosphate, there's going to be better ways, less, less, you know, more, less expensive, more efficient ways. Um, you can use the next product. We have Eliminator. We, we sell that at 100%, not mixed with anything. And that will remove large amounts of um, the phosphate. So... Uh, you know, maybe go with that or maybe look at why you're generating so much phosphate in the first place. Uh, you know, you're overfeeding and things like that. Why are you calling me out? <laughs> <laughs> Not talking about your pig, talking about fish. <laughs> oh no, but I overfeed all the time. <laughs> everybody overfeeds. That's just the, the nature. Yeah. Especially at Christmas time, even us. Yeah. Um, no, so, so before, uh, before we move on, I want to like touch on something else with the carbon products. I know like you told us to use the glass trick and kind of look at the water. Is there an approximate timeline of like, you know, on average 30 days, replace it or 45 days or whatever. The, the reason I'm asking is because, and the science on this may have changed, but I've heard that carbon can also lead, like if you leave it in too long, can lead to health issues for the fish. So just, you know, if you've read that information, like, is there a timeline? Like, don't leave it in past 30 days or? Yeah, I've, I've read lots of things and I've read mysteries and horror stories. It's called <laughs> fiction, things like that. Uh, so there are, usually, 
usually it's every month. I would say you should change it every month. Um, but but carbon doesn't all of a sudden become bad. You know, it's not like it's good for your fish or or it does its job and nothing happens. And then, you know, after 30 days, something that carbon changes and becomes some type of a disease or gives off things. Cause that was the other thing that you heard about carbon was don't keep it in so long. Cause after a while it releases everything. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's another one. I hadn't even thought about that, but yes. It, yeah. And, and yes, car, you can get things that are, absorbed add it's ad adsorbed to carbon you can get it the carbon to release those but in order to do that you have to take your ph down to about two or above 11 okay and so if you're nobody's tank should be in that situation right if if your tank is in either of those situations you've got much bigger issues than what's carbon going to do um because you that's how you can recycle trace elements and and all sorts of things is by manipulating the pH, and that's way too technical, so we won't go into that. So there's really no hard evidence. There, there is, I'll admit, there's some anecdotal evidence that carbon uh, can possibly cause some types of things like lateral line, but the thing is, it only happens with su- certain fish and then not all carbons are equal. I mean, carbon starts off, you can make activated carbon from bituminous coal, from anthracite coal, from wood, from coconut. There, uh, there's a large variety of substances that you can make activated carbon from. And then uh, the source, you know, is it US mined? Is it uh, coconut from the Philippines? from something from China, you know, so you just can't, you, you need to not make the mistake of just lumping all carbon as well. It's all carbon. It's all bad, you know, because you had this experience. So the, I've been using activated carbon for a long, long time in all my systems and really haven't had any issues, freshwater, saltwater, low pH, high pH, um, low hardness, you know, for some South Americans or, or just rock hard Colorado river water for the Tanganyikans that love that type of stuff. Uh, I'd be the first to say if I thought there were some big problem with the use of activated carbon, but I really haven't come across anything like that. Okay. Yeah. I'm just, I feel the need to touch on it just because, you know, I've worked in the aquarium industry and sometimes people are like, oh no, you shouldn't use that. That's bad. Well, I haven't had any issues with it. I use it in my tanks all the time, especially to clear up the water and make it look all nice. Right. And, you know, and it's a problem. It's kind of like when you get into trace elements, which do you need? It's hard. You have carbon and you see something and then you say, well, that's, I put in there. So that's the effect, but that's not real science. And unfortunately, there's just so much going on that it's really hard to figure out um, what caused what. Okay. And like, you know, I, then I've heard people, well, I'm using activated carbon in my quarantine tank. Well, that may not be a good idea there because depending on what you're adding to your quarantine tank as a prophylactic or as a treatment, the carbon could be removing. Yes. You know, it's funny. So there's a, like in humans, there are, carbon supplements that you can take then the reason people take them is to help remove the toxins in your body and the same can be said like if you're medicating there's a good chance the carbon's going to pull that out yeah isn't there like an activated carbon toothpaste yeah there is actually it's supposed to help whiten your teeth it's supposed to i've tried it it doesn't really work all i can think is that it's going to rub the enamel off your teeth i don't know I don't, I don't think I'm going to be brushing my, well, yeah, but you lose your enamel, you're in big trouble. Your dentist, your will, your, yeah, your teeth are white and your dentist will thank you very much. Put one another one of her kids through college. So, <laughs> excuse me. Yeah, I'm not so sure about that. Um, yeah, well, let's just leave the human nutrition of activated carbon now for another day. <laughs> 
Um, now you can, I mean, some people will I'll put activated carbon in after I do a water change and then I'll take it out. That's fine. Now, what I would do if you're gonna if you're gonna do that type of method where you just use it once in a while and then remove it, is rinse it really well because you don't want the organics to go anaerobic in there and you know as, as you're drying it out. So take it out, rinse it really well, put it off to the side, and you can you can reuse it. It's not a problem. Not recharge it, reuse it. Re yeah, not recharge, reuse. Yes. And you, it's, it's hard to say how long it goes. If you've got a tank where you're feeding a lot and producing a lot of organics, the activated carbon is not going to last as long as if you've got a reef tank where you're feeding very lightly and, and uh, you know, not, or maybe, you know, not at all. So it just kind of depends on your organic inputs because that's really what it's removing is the organic, dissolved organics in the system. On the phos eliminator? On the phos eliminator. So, you know, phosphate's one of those things everybody uh, wants to remove it, get it low. Um, and, and it is good to have it low, but you can do water changes. Um, but to the, our phos eliminator is uh, silicate, So uh, it's a small bead. Um, definitely because you need to put this in the fine mesh, the 300 micron opening mesh bag that's provided. You want to have this after good mechanical filtration. Um, and you do want to have this in a pretty good high flow area. So you're bringing water to it and, and not letting the pile of, of the material just sit in the corner. Again, it's just sitting in the corner is just not going to do anything for most of these media because you've got to get it in contact with the water. Uh, how can you tell that it's no longer working? Well, be measuring your phosphate levels because you'll, you'll see this. You, you start using this, your phosphate levels will drop. And then as it's exhausted, they'll start to come up and that will tell you that, you know, now you need to, to change it. Now I have to ask, I'm curious. So there, well, sometimes when you get products, it tells you that you need to rinse them before you put them in the tank. Is this one of those products that you should rinse off? Um, or maybe if you're doing a water change, like dunk the bag in the... Yeah, well, we, we say you should rinse it just because what's going to happen is this product is going to fizz it, and it's going to generate a little bit of heat when you first get sweat because it loves uh, water. So it's... Um, it's uh, yeah, it generally gives off heat. Um, so rinsing is always good. Plus the dust, you know, these things have been transferred, transported from our uh, facility to the distributor, to the to the store, to your house, and, and they're rubbing against each other. And there's no reason to have all the, the dust in there. So it's just good to get rid of the dust and things like that. Um, so a quick rinse and you don't have to, I mean, you can rinse under tap water with chlorine. You don't have to be paranoid about that. Um, it's good. And carbon, carbon is, it will also rub against itself and produce lots of fines, which you don't want in your tank. So I, I kind of like to rinse everything before you use it. Good to know. Good advice. Yeah. Um, now we have a fossil eliminator plus. And the Foss Eliminator Plus is a mixture of uh, the aluminum silicate and ferric oxide, which are two different substances to remove phosphate. So you kind of get the best of, the, of both of them. Um, and that will remove a fair amount of phosphate in the water. Now, what it's removing is as I've talked about, the soluble reactive phosphate, the PO4. It's not doing anything for the organic phosphate that's bound to things. To remove those, you need to um, really siphon. You'll get all, all the organics out. As, as you can tell from this series, I'm a big fan of getting organics out of the system because they just sit in your tank and cause, cause problems. <laughs> Uh, clog things up, clog the biofilter, clog your carbon. Uh, 
so uh, keeping their system free of organics is can be a major problem, especially particular organics, because if you've got a lot of rock work, think about this when you're decorating, when you're building that live rock, the arches and all the caves and stuff like that, are you going to be able to clean that? Can you put a powerhead or some type of a water pump somewhere that you can have water flow through this to keep those uh, particulate materials in the water column till they can be removed over the overflow or you know by the uh, filter socks or stuff like that. You want to get that stuff out of there. I knew a guy once um, when I worked at a local fish store that anytime he would build and set up a new tank, he would always like put an extra power head on the initial setup and have it like inside the rockwork almost so that like it would be easy enough to take it out and clean it but that it would help to create flow within the rocks that's a good idea or or just you know if you know because a lot of people you know cords cords distract you don't want a bunch of cords in the in your tank but if you can just leave an opening that you can get from the top and when you want to clean the system put the you know water pump down in there for a little while just to clean out things it really makes a big difference you'd be surprised how much stuff you know accumulates in dead spots in your aquarium mm -hmm. those are my favorite spots to clean like the satisfaction of seeing all the gunk come up the siphon yes it's a good day in the tank it's a good day in the tank Okay, Hillary. <laughs> well, I mean, like, even if you can't see anything else as you're cleaning, like, oh, it just looks like water. You like see all that stuff come out. Like, yep, I'm cleaning. Yeah, I'm you're doing, doing something. Right yeah, you're doing something. <laughs> so, okay, that's that's good. Um, yeah, if you want to get that stuff out of there. Yep. Now we have a, a product we call Equalizer. An Equalizer is uh, will will remove a little bit of organics and ammonia and phosphates. And basically what it's doing there is it's a fine mesh or very fine media that's becoming biologically active and also has some chemical remover um, properties. So this is when, you know, if, if you're doing a plant tank, for instance, freshwater plant tank, and you're really trying to grow your, your plants and you're adding CO2 and plant fertilizers and stuff like that. Well, this is a situation where maybe you don't want to use activated carbon because the goal of the tank is to really uh, have the plants, you know, grow like crazy. And some of the micronutrients and trace elements and things like that, that you're putting in that, in the system, the activated carbon can remove so in those situations, you, know, you, you wouldn't use activated carbon. Um, and the equalizer is a media there that's, uh, we say less harsh. It's not as activated as the activated carbon. And it still will help control some of the discolorations and things like that that can happen in the tanks. Plant tanks are a we should do a podcast around plant tanks. I like that. Um, you know, you're bubbling CO2 in there, but if you don't understand inorganic carbon cycle, remember, no, I just said inorganic, and have we'd have to have some type of diagram because if you have, let's say, California, we're going down a side street here for a second, Hillary, I hope that's okay. Um, you're out here in California, you're using Southern California, and you've got this you know, high alkalinity, rock hard water, and pH is 8.2. You start bubbling CO2, inorganic, I mean, it's the CO2. It is immediately going to change into bicarbonate and carbonate. It's going to have no effect on for, you know, it's not going to work on your plants very well be, because the high pH immediately changes the car, CO2 into either bicarbonate or carbonate, which is not what the plants utilize. So just like with ammonia, you can have ammonia, ammonium, depending upon the pH. That's the same thing with CO2. 
And that's why you have to be careful of, of how you use CO2 with your plant tank and how you use some of these automatic bubblers and automatic devices that are attached to your CO2. Because out here, you know, you're trying to, it's based on pH. So when the pH gets up to a, up to a certain amount, it opens up the valve and it bubbles in more CO2 to drop the pH. But if you have, you do a big water change and you forget and you use water you know, dechlorinated right out of the tap here in Southern California that's really high alkalinity, you put that in your plant tank, the pH is, goes way high and the valve opens up and starts bubbling a ton of CO2 in there and it'll knock all your fish out, you know, because the CO2 is also an, uh, you know, uh, anesthetic. Um, That's right. So you have to be careful and you have to understand how the alkalinity of your water affects the pH, which then feeds back to, it's immediately converting your carbon to bicarbonate or carbonate, which is not what you want. And uh, that's a technical subject, but we should talk about that and maybe have a chart up, something visual that people can see. Cause I find that's, uh, people just don't understand that they just get a CO2 bubbler and can't figure out why their pH never drops. <laughs> I've got it in my notes, denitrification and planet tanks with visuals. Maybe we can do that when I come to visit and we're sure. filming all the other videos. Yeah, that'd be good. We, we can sit down in, in the lobby and have a chat. You can do diagrams <laughs> on the whiteboard. I'm ready. I'll bring my notebooks and everything. Okay, we have a whiteboard. <laughs> okay. Um, now we have Zeopure. Um, it's a zeolite, which uh, is a type of clinoptolite, which is basically, if you're a geologist, you understand all these terms. But basically, it's a clay-based material that has an affinity for removing ammonia from the water. But just like I was talking on CO2, it, the, the efficiency of that depends upon the pH of the water. For zeolites and how effective they're going to be, it really depends upon the hardness. The harder the water, meaning the more calcium, the more magnesium, the less ammonia the, the zeolite will be able to remove. So it's good in emergency. Uh, it's a great, it's actually a decent medium to grow nitrifiers on because it uh, is positively charged, but it's usually it's pretty fine. So it clogs easily if you're trying to grow nitrifiers, but it's a real nice media to use, especially in a freshwater system. If you're trying to control ammonia and you want a good surface area uh, for the bacteria. And it, there's some people trying to use this in saltwater systems it can be used in salt water as a surface or as a biomedia, if that's what you want, but it's not going to remove, you know, by ion exchange or chemically any ammonia because the salt water has too many ions. You know, that's just, it's just not going to work that way, but it is a good media to use if you're trying to grow nitrifiers in the system. Uh, there's a, that, this is actually, uh, one of the um, media that can be recharged and how it's recharged is you put it in a brine, like a two or three times salt water system. So instead of, uh, <coughs> excuse me, instead of mixing salt water to 35 parts per thousand, mix it to about 90 parts per thousand and recirculate it through your uh, zeal pure and the ammonia will come off the zeopure and it recharges it so that you can reuse it. And you can do this nine, 10 times. So That's pretty cool. Now, yeah. I've got a question for that. So if you are using this in a freshwater tank and you're trying to recharge it, obviously you're not going to have like the regular salt that I would be using in my saltwater tanks. Can you use something like, um, like Epsom salt or like table salt? Does it matter what kind of salt you use? 
table salt would be best because that's sodium chloride. So you don't have to use expensive uh, sea salts. You can just use regular cheap table salt. Yep. Uh, yeah, and in a freshwater tank, that you know, when would you use this? Well, say you're trying to get a, a South American tank, and you want the water to be low pH, and you want it to be soft for the discus and the rummy nose and the neon tetras and stuff like that. Well, from previous discussions, you you realize that that is going to take a while for the nitrifiers to get established because at the low pH, you know, below, below six, nitrifiers don't work as well because the ammonia is in the ammonium form. Well, what you can do instead of staring at an empty tank for months and months is you can control the ammonia in that situation with our Zeopure. It'd be, it's very efficient at that because that is soft water, meaning low calcium, low magnesium, and low pH, which is like the perfect environment for Zeopure. And you could get a like a 32-ounce jar of this and get an extra bag, and you could rotate it out, have one bag in and be recharging the other. And then after a little bit of time, you, you know, it all depends on how many fish. I, I wouldn't say overcrowd a system like this. But definitely you could have some fish in there and you could be controlling the ammonia chemically initially as the nitrifiers are being established. And I'm sure the question is like, well, isn't this going to starve the nitrifiers from ammonia? And the answer is no. The nitrifiers are going to be growing slowly, but they will grow and you're not going to inhibit their growth by taking, quote, their ammonia away. But you will help your fish because it'll be a, a lower ammonia environment. Now, the next cis uh, media we have is our purifier. And this is basically a man-made uh, filter resin. So it's used to remove dissolved organics through ion exchange and works in salt water because uh, it's removing organics. That's what this is actually detailed for. You can do ion exchange medias to soften your water, to remove calcium and magnesium, but that's not what this is. This is to remove uh, dissolved organics. A little bit goes a long ways. And it will also change colors. And it's kind of a... Um, amber clear amber color and and then it will go black as it's exhausted and you can regenerate this in a hyper um, solution hypersaline with some other chemicals and we have the details on our website for that but that is a media that you can definitely recharge several times after recharging rinse with fresh water really well to, to get the chlorine and stuff out of the out of the media, um, but it removes a lot of dissolved organics in the system. And so maybe the question is, well, do I use this or do I use activated carbon? And it kind of depends on your setup. If you've got a, a large tank with a lot of fish and you're generating a large, a lot of organics, the purifier is probably going to be more economical to use versus the activated carbon. But then, you know, we solve that question a little bit in that the purifier plus we mix our carbon pure activated carbon with the purifier plus to give you both activated carbon and the synthetic man-made ion exchange resins for really a, a super um, organic, dissolved organic remover. It saves you a little money because the purifier is more expensive than the activated carbon. Uh, the purifier plus is gonna be less expensive and, and a, a re really nice product to help keep that water just sparkly clean. You can see when you're using these, uh, before and after how nice the water really looks. That's good. And then the, uh, you know, the, the last media I talk about in that, this is the first one that we ever, you know, we came up with is our NP active pearls or bio pellets. 
and I don't know, Hillary. I mean, I I feel that bio pellets aren't talked about as much anymore. I mean, it used you know, five yeah. six years ago, there were lots of different bio pellets out there. But maybe that was the problem because they got a little bit of a negative um, reputation. And so what, what are bio, bio pellets are uh, plastic, a bio medium, meaning that they're not made from oil. Because the big use for bio pellets is to make biodegradable plastics. If you look at a drinking water bottle or more and more any of the bottles and it says biodegradable plant-based something like that it's made from these bio pellets which bio pellets are made by bacteria if bacteria are fed i mean it can be potato waste it can be uh corn corn starch um variety of organic material and the bacteria produce this polymer, which, you know, the science has been known for a while. It's becoming more and more economical about how to harvest that. And the nice thing about these biodegradable pellets of this biomedia is that it will degrade in two or three years completely versus something that's a plastic made out of oil can last 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 years, you know, very, very, not very biodegradable at all. And how these bio pellets are used in an aquarium is the media is placed in a reactor, so they're, they're turning. This is, of all the media we've talked about, this is like the only one that's not static. Static meaning, you know, the others you put in a bag and you pass the water through it, but the media is not moving. The bio pellets, you want the pellets to be slightly moving and bringing fresh water to them so it's got oxygen and bacteria will attach to the pellet because they're actually, de you know, uh, degrading that pellet using that carbon. Um, and as the bacteria grow, using the carbon from the pellet they're actually removing nitrate and phosphate from the water. Some people call this uh, solid vodka dose. You know, if you're going to dose vodka in your tank or carbon, liquid carbon, what's the purpose? The purpose of that is to stimulate bacteria growth. And as those bacteria grow, they'll remove nitrate and phosphate from the water. Well, that's what this is doing is, is you're providing a carbon source the bacteria can use to grow and assimilate. And as they do that, they're removing nitrate and phosphate from the water column. And um, bio pellets are really good to use if you have a large tank or a smaller tank where you're feeding a lot of food and generating a lot of waste, you know, nitrates and phosphates, the bio pellets are quite economical to use. You do need a reactor because you don't, you don't want them to be static. You want them to be slowly moving in oxygenated water. So. Yes. You know, I wonder if like when you talked about like people have kind of come away from using those as if like they don't have space for reactors or they had a hard time like getting that nice tumbling action dialed in. Yeah, and it's it takes a little bit of time, and then and then you have some people saying, "Well, you got to tumble it in all fourteen thousand different directions," which is not true. Um, and they make things so complicated, and then people get turned off by that. Um, but I mean, we we still sell a lot. We've got a lot of longtime users of our biopellets because they have to be replenished. You're not going to replace them because they're going to disappear as they're used up. So you replenish them. And it does take uh, some time to start seeing an effect, but you will be able to measure the nitrate and phosphate. And if you've got a freshwater system, the bio pellets work. They're not strictly uh, salt water. You know, you've got cichlids or, or you're feeding a lot uh, and you just have a buildup of nitrate phosphate and you're fighting algae, consider biopellets, a much natu more natural way 
once it's set up, I mean, it does take three, four weeks to get it going and start seeing the effect because the bacteria take time to grow on the bio pellets. But once, once you get it going, it's, it's relatively, I said relatively maintenance free. Uh, but you're right, people's eyes are, this thing's got to be churning. The, these pellets are, they're not moving fast enough. And that's the wrong way. They, if, if you churn the pellets too much, they just wear on each other and you prematurely, you know, they're breaking up um, and wearing out because of the wear and tear on each, on each pellet against the other one. So just a slow churn is gonna be fine. And you'll know if you're not doing it, you know, churning them enough is they'll start to go black because they'll go anaerobic or anoxic. Then you know you've got to turn the water flow up. But I'm I'm a great believer in using bio pellets. It's uh, it's really a nice natural way. If you're doing a coral reef tank, what's going to happen? The the bio pellet will grow bacterial biofilm. But as it's churning, the biofilm basically will eventually break off. And that's that's marine snow right there. That is really nutritious material that the corals will filter feed out of the water and color up. So it's it's a, you know, you definitely get a two for one there. Remove nutrients, convert it into food for your corals, and your corals looking better. That's always a good thing. Yeah. So you know, depending on your system, I guess you, you don't need to use all of these. Like with everything else, you should look at your system and do you have an issue? Are you growing algae? Is my water cloudy, uh, brown? Is, does the tank smell? You know, you have that, that smell. You, everybody knows what that smell is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, do I have constant high ammonia, constant nitrate or five nitrate or phosphate. I mean, look at the issue. If, if your tank is looking good and the water quality is good, then maybe you, know, you don't need these media, but uh, that tank doesn't really exist. So you need one, you're going to need one or two of these things, to be honest. Um, but the tank will tell you what you need and which media. And I think most people, you need a biomedia a uh, remove a bio media. You know, my first job when I joined the industry years ago was the bio wheel. Why that was such a nice system was it was after all the mechanical chemical filtration. So the bio filter kept clean and the churning, the turning of the bio wheel kept the media. People said, oh, this is a joke. Bacteria can't grow in that. Yes, they can. They really do prefer that. And with our remover in a bag, don't be afraid to take that out and rinse it. I'm not saying throw it in you know, chlorinated water for a day or two, but just you're doing a water change. You've got a bucket of water, take the media out, give it a couple of quick rinses and put it back in. As you, as you just said a little while ago, you'll see the satisfaction, Hillary, of, of all that dirt coming out of the media. And that's yeah. not bacteria. That's just stuff you don't want in there. So remover... Like I mentioned, I'm a big believer in activated carbon in, in most all tanks. It just does help remove the organics in the system. And it helps to get rid of smell too. Yeah, I don't definitely. Think we touched on that earlier, but yeah. Well, then that was that was my mistake. Definitely helps get rid of smell. And uh, you know, it, nobody likes a stinky aquarium in the system in your and or brown water or just anything like that. Um, so use these wisely and they're you know, be the tool that helps you enjoy the tank and get more enjoyment out of your system. And you'll spend more time watching your fish and corals rather than cleaning. Nobody likes to clean things. No. <laughs> <laughs> Except Hillary. <laughs> I like it when it's dirty and I feel like it's clean. I don't like to clean regularly. Okay. So. Now I have a question. So obviously this episode is dedicated to the biomedias and the media products that we have, but like, when should you be using these versus using the liquid products? Cause some of them, like I'm thinking like waste away, it helps to remove organics. Like why would you use this versus that? Well, it, it depends. I mean, waste away is going to de, you know, remove particulate organics. That's going to break down. Okay, 
-hmm. where the activated carbon is going to remove dissolved organics. So the particulate is the stuff that that you can remove with a sieve or a sponge or a blue pad or something like that, mm-hmm. where the uh, dissolved organics are the things that give the water its discoloration and its smell. And waste away is not going to work on that very well. You're going to want to use activated carbon for that. Does that make sense? Yep. So for the, I guess for the, almost for the stuff that you can't see. Right. For this. Yeah. For the, yeah. Um, Cause yeah, you've, you've got all that um, tanniny and, and uh, you know, you can, you can tell when your water's getting that kind of brownish yellow color and that's what the uh, activated carbon and the purifier will remove. Good to know. I think we've touched on yeah. uh, the, the ba- major parts of the media. Um, you know, they're, they're a tool. Don't use them as a crutch. They don't replace poor maintenance habits. They don't allow you to overcrowd. Uh, don't you know, say you never have to do water changes. They're just part of a tool. Um, and it, it, I would say if, if you're, I'm gonna get my soapbox here for a second, Hillary. <laughs> Sorry, because because everybody telling you know I don't like an aquarium because it's so much work. If if you've had that experience or you're thinking my aquarium's too much work, then all these different tools are going to help, but but they're not going to ease your your pain so much. So what? Why is it too much work? Maybe you're overcrowding. Maybe you're overfeeding. You know this is. A finite system, even the big things, you know, systems that Hillary works on, you can't just keep on throwing food and fish in these systems. They have a carrying capacity. And the carrying capacity is kind of the limit of you in terms of how much work you're going to do. You know, I wrote an article years ago because people always say, well, what filter do I need? Well, the filter that's best for you is the one that you'll maintain. You get a sophisticated filter, but you never clean it, it quickly becomes worthless. If it's intimidating or too hard or too much work, we human beings tend to put that off. And so the right filter for you is the one that you know how to clean and you're willing to take the time. And if your aquarium is turned from pleasure to work, then hire somebody to come take care of your tank for you. (laughs) Well, there's one option. Okay. (laughs) And no, neither, neither I nor Hillary, well, no, not me for sure are available to clean your day. When they're done that, those days are long past. So yes, you could hire someone. Um, But I would, I would say that maybe you need to reconsider the, you know, how many animals you have in there, just what the setup is because this is supposed to be an enjoyable hobby, not a, a hobby that you know, takes all your time and, and energy and, and becomes drudgery. That's no longer a hobby. No, now I might take all of your money, but it, everything else be. should be enjoyable. That's it. <laughs> yes. I've got a hobby like that too. Yeah. We're not gonna talk about that. Uh, <laughs> so I think we'll squeeze maybe Think we can get one more of these in before Christmas? I think so. I've I've got us scheduled for another Q and A podcast next week. Wednesday. Okay. Yeah. I, I, don't, I, see. I don't know Looks. if you guys will hear it before Christmas. It'll probably come out the the week after, maybe. Yeah. Well, if you don't, then everyone have a very merry and safe Christmas. Um, and uh, we we do appreciate you listening. We've been doing some shows, and it's a full slate next year, Hillary. Yes, we got, I'm so excited. We've got lots of shows. We'll be out and about uh, doing aquaculture shows and reef paloozas and aquashellas and more and more and more. We like meeting people, come by and talk. But, you know, until then, info at Dr. Tim's Aquatics or social media. Please get your questions in because every couple of weeks we do a question and answer. And yes. we like hearing from people. 
And make sure to stay tuned on the social media because I think we have a holiday surprise that is coming your way. So I'm not going to give too much away here, but stay tuned. Follow along. It's green and it's not the Hulk. <laughs> How's that for a hint? <laughs> too, much, too much information. Well, they, don't, they, don't, they don't know the, the exact details of it. So oh, that's all good. All right. So thanks, everyone. Appreciate it. And as always, we're available for questions. And if we don't get another one out before the holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays to everyone. And uh, be safe. Happy Holidays, y'all.